But there's a little flute there, and I want to give a, if, if it's possible, Abby, to put the little uh, quote. Is that possible? Okay. Um, there it is right there. This is a quote from a fourth century mystic, uh, Hafex. And he says, I am a hole in the flute that the Christian, that, that the Christ's breath moves through. And listen to the music. I love contemplative type stuff like this from the mystics. And uh, we're all mystics, you know, we, we contemplate, we ponder. But we're going to look at this a little bit and uh, hopefully it'll somewhat make sense. And the things I'm going to share this morning, some of you know, if not all of you already know, it's not going to be anything new. But this is the cool thing about just growing is that you keep learning along the journey. And the things that you learned back in the day may be different today. The same thing, but you get a little bit deeper perspective. And one of the things that um, I am learning of is, is this concept of faith. You know, it's, it's so neat, and we've been going through this in Galatians a lot, in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, that we covered a month or so ago. But he's done it. The cross and the res resurrection, he has done it. We're complete in Christ. And, and how we are called to dance and not march. God is so good. But sometimes it is hard to see the goodness of God because we've been damaged in our life. We've been hurt in our life. And uh, one of the things that... If, if we were to get all together and we were to be really honest and real with each other, we would go back into our stories and begin to discover that we have something in common. And that one thing in common is that word shame. And we may not be shamed right now. We've, we've conquered some of those things. You see, you see what Christ has done. But when you, we talk about our life, we can go all the way back and we can have shame on the things and some of the things that we have said and some of the things that we have done. And that shame, is, it seems to be the center of self-assessment of our life. And it's a very, very real thing in a lot of our lives, and maybe not here, but in a lot of people in this community, shame is, is high on the list. And so... This thing of shame, we don't travel that trail of shame alone. It's reinforced by the false narratives that we hear, maybe that we feed ourselves. Those false deceptions, those stories that we feed into our own mind, or we are fed from other people, or perhaps we are misguided in the perception of who God is. And that is a big one. And so that will haunt you and that will be the driving force of a lot of our lives. And so with these false narratives, perhaps like I am not smart enough. I am not skinny enough. I'm not, and you fill in the blank. And those are the false narratives 
that we feed ourselves. And once we begin to feed it long enough, or we hear it from others, or we have, or, or we have a false perception of who God is, then we start believing it, and then we make those self-declarations into our life, and we begin to believe it, and we, and we declare with what we truly believe, I am truly not smart enough. I'm truly not. And so that becomes our self-image. I'm not good. And so when a person is broken and wounded into their own life, it's hard to believe that our Father in heaven is good. It's really hard if somebody was wounded and broken to hear these messages that I've been teaching for five or six weeks about the love and the grace of God. It's hard to buy into it. You want it to be true, but it's very, very difficult because this is what your image is. This is how you believe about yourself, and it's just almost too good to be true. I remember listening to a podcast that uh, it was an interview with uh, Paul Young, the author of The Shack. And he was talking about, he, he was asked to go and talk to uh, uh, a women's prison. And so he went there and he began to talk about his book, The Shack, as well as the prison that he had lived in for so many years and how he was able to crawl out of that. And it was a fascinating interview. And as he completed his talk, many of the women, the, the women would gather around him and, and ask him questions and uh, ask him to sign the book. And he noticed that there was one young woman that was on the side, and she was a little timid. She was a little embarrassed about coming to see him, but it was her turn and so he just gave her a big old hug. Now, during this time when Paul was sharing with the women, he would share about the shack. And in the shack, there was a little phrase, and he would use the word Papa for the Heavenly Father. And he would say, Papa is fond of you. And so this, that stuck a chord into this woman. And so she comes up to, to Paul. He gives her a hug. And he whispers into his ear, Do you think Papa is fond of me? And as Paul began to share in this interview, he says, You know, I, I knew what she was asking. She was asking, Can there be anything that is lovable in me? Is there anything that is worthy of me being loved? Now, Paul has shared that oftentimes when he's dealing with broken, wounded people, to say God is loved, to say God loves you, so it's perfect and it's true and it's right, but a lot of times what what, what he says, it, it just doesn't answer that question. And that's why he comes with that word and that phrase of which he's written in the shack, Papa is fond of you. 
Because you see, he knows enough about people that this young woman was asking, not only am I lovable, but the woman is, is questioning Papa, Father in heaven, I know you love me because this is who you are. But do you know me? Do you like me? Do you like the way that I am as I am? Is there anything that is, that is in me that is worth loving? Do you see me? Do you like what you see? That goes deep, doesn't it? Because that is where we are. And when we're asking those things, it is hard to see that God is good, that the Father is good. And so when she came to whisper into Paul's ear, do you think Papa is fond of me? He squeezed her tight. And he said, yes. Papa is especially fond of you. And she said, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And Paul responded back, that is all any of us need to know. It's the heart thing, isn't it? It's a relational deal that's going on. And it's taken so many years for people to unravel this narrative that I'm not good. It has taken me years. It's taken maybe you years because you have been misguided in this concept of God. And it's taken years to unravel. And the truth being is that you are valuable because you are made in the image of God. Hear me out. Your value and your worth is not dependent on you. Your value and your worth is not dependent upon you for you were made in the image of God. That's what brings your worth and your value. Changes things, doesn't it? You can relax. You see, our eyes are crippled. And I don't know if I made up this term or I've read it somewhere. I have no idea. But we have crippled eyes. We can't see many of the things. The mysteries, the mystery of the Spirit within us, the mysteries of God, the mysteries of Christ, because they are beyond. They're true, but it is hard to wrap our minds around it, and it is so very, very hard. We have crippled eyes to where we can't see the mystery that you and I were created in Christ Jesus before the creation. He knew of us. That's Ephesians 1 and 2. It's not a head knowledge. It's a heart thing. And that's why it's so hard to grasp. It goes beyond us. 
I got a call from one of my neighbors, and uh, <laughs> they're, they're totally into astronomy. <laughs> they, they, he, he's got this, this high-powered telescope, and they're stargazers. It's kind of fun to listen to them because they're very knowledgeable in this. This is kind of what they do. And so he calls me about between 10 and 11 o'clock, and, and he says, Gordy, it's a clear night, and I can see the galaxy, Andromeda, so clear. And, and I want you to come over, and, and if you can, just come and look through this telescope and see this galaxy. It's beautiful. So I go over there. I've never seen Andromeda before, the galaxy. And so I looked through that telescope, and I was amazed. I was just amazed. This might be old school for you. You'll say, Gordy, where have you been for 100 years? Yeah, I saw that when I was in fourth grade. I know, but I haven't. And I looked at that, and I've seen pictures of Andromeda, but I've never seen it live. It is real. I couldn't believe what I was seeing in this, in this galaxy that's 2.5 million light years from Earth. I'm thinking, I'm actually seeing this with my eyeball. It was amazing. I was stunned. Well, down the road, Saturn comes to the scene, the planet, and he says, this is the closest that Saturn's going to be to the Earth for a while, and it's a clear night, it's a great, perfect night, and he's going to take his telescope out, and he's going to say, why don't you come and, and look at Saturn? And I went that to his place, and I looked through that telescope, and I saw the most beautiful planet ever, absolutely beautiful. And he says, what else can you see? Can you see the rings? And I thought, no way. And I began to adjust some things, and I saw rings around Saturn. I was so amazed. I was stunned. I could never in a hundred years explain to you what went through me when I saw that for the first time in my life. I've seen pictures. I've seen documentaries. I've never seen it was real. I thought, no way. No way. I, I don't think I believed there was such a thing as Saturn. But I saw it with my own eyes. So if you don't believe it, I'm telling you it is true. There is a Saturn and there's rings around it. And I was so humbled and so stunned and, it, and I could not wrap my head around it. I was just like a little kid. And I think my neighbors were having more excitement watching me. I think God's love is a lot like that. I think the word love, we're, we become so familiar with the word that it doesn't have any meaning anymore. But yet when you discover it in real life, 
It's bigger than what we think. It's more beautiful than we ever imagined. It's more encompassing. It's more embracing. And just as I was watching Saturn in the, in the rings, it pulled me in. The energy pulled me in, and it fed me back energy. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is fantastic. But that's the way love is. When you see love, it pulls you in. Because that is what we're all looking for, is Papa fond of me. This is what we're asking. Is he fond of me? An amazing thing about this, Saturn has always been there. And I've never seen it. And another funny thing is, love has always been there immeasurable love. It's not going anywhere. We've just never seen it. I'll never capture Saturn, and I will never capture love. It's too big. It's too embracing. So as I take a look at faith, I begin to see that it's, it's really about, it's not about changing lanes on the road. It's on the same lane as what I've been talking about. Love Beauty, embracing, and not striving. It's in the same lane. It's in the same topic as all these things that I've been sharing. And so let's read in Galatians 2.20, and I'll just share briefly something that I have learned. And you may say, hmm, I knew that in fourth grade. That's fine. I'm sharing my story. So in Galatians 2.20, it says this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A lot there, okay? We are just going to take a look at one little phrase. And this is the phrase that humbled me, stunned me. It was so beautiful, it was beyond what I could actually describe. Several years ago, I began to read in different translations. And I don't know how I came across this. I knew it throughout my life, but I never really knew it. That doesn't make sense, but just, it sort of does. Um, in other translations, and, and, and I'm not a big King James fan, but in the King James it does have this. It says, it, it says this within that verse. It says, I live by faith of. They change the prepositions. It, it's not I live by faith in the Son. It's I live by faith of the faithfulness of the Son of God or of the faith. That, when I read that for the first time, was a game changer in my life. It was a huge game changer. And it's like I began to see Saturn for the first time. I'm thinking, this, at least for me, it just resonated. It was so different than what I thought, what I grew up with. It was so beautiful. It was mind-blowing. I began to see that it is what Christ has done 
Not only on the cross, but what the dream was of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit before the creation of the world. And I began to think I, it was not my faith that made that happen. I wasn't even born yet. And that's what they're saying. He said, they're saying, the, the, the faith that I live is of the Son of God. It is of the faithfulness of Christ. And, that, and I'm not saying here, well, let's change our vocabulary. No, no let's get away from that legalism stuff. I'm still going to say Christ in me, or, or I, I, I live by faith in the Son of God, or of the Son of God. It doesn't make any difference. But my understanding is different. And when I begin to understand that it's not faith in my faith, but it's his faithfulness, it's his faith, all the burden of trying to muster up faith in myself, because it's all directed about me and not Jesus. You see that? You're striving. You're burdened. And don't lie to me now, because I know you've said it. Oh, I wish I had more faith. It has nothing to do with your faith. It's the trust in what he's already has done. Regardless if you have any faith or not. See, this is tricky. This is the mystery. But we have so much faith, people, that are focused upon them and their faith. But it's not about you. It's about what Christ has done. Let me just go through several um, Verses, and then we'll, we'll try to wrap things up here. Galatians 2.16. I just want to show you here, and there are a lot of verses. You, you, almost every single verse that you read about your faith in Christ, it's going to be your faith of Christ. Many of your, the Bibles that you have, they will have subnotes, and they will say the faithfulness of Christ as another alternative to interpret it. And for me personally, maybe not for you, I'm talking about me, that is a game changer. That is so huge for me because I strove a lot in my life. I don't have enough faith. I'm trying to muster up faith. How do, what's the right formula to grow in faith? So this verse here in Galatians 2.16, he says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Christ. See that? So we too have put our faith in the faithfulness of Christ and in your subnotes in, in the Bible, it'll say that's one way to translate it. So we too have put our faith in the faithfulness of Christ that we may be justified by the faithfulness of Christ, not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, no one will be okay with God. And why will no one be okay with God by following the law? Because you're already okay with God. What else can you do? You accept it. Are you okay with God because of your faith or because of the faithfulness of Christ? How about Ephesians? Or, yeah, Ephesians 3.12. Let's go to there. In him and through faith, again, the subnote, in the faithfulness of Christ, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Why? Because it's not my faith. 
He's already done it. He says, you're okay. I'm dwelling with inside of you. It was my faithfulness that made you okay. Now you're a mess. You don't have any faith. You don't have any trust. I can still enter into the throne of grace before God with confidence because it's His faithfulness and not mine. I'm just trying to twist your mind here and just twist it in a good way. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> just think it through. Because this is powerful stuff. This is like watching, looking at Saturn for the first time in your life and you're stumbled and you're humbled and you're thinking, oh man, maybe I've missed it. And maybe not. Look at Philippians 3.9. Philippians 3.9 says this, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in the faithfulness of Christ, that righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And what's interesting, the basis of the faith that is in the faithfulness of Christ. It's huge, isn't it? This is so big. There's such a big difference between the in and the of for me. And so I cannot hold back because for three years I've been soaking this in and it's like, it, it's, it's meaningful to me. I'm not trying to muster stuff up anymore. For me, I want to grow in that knowledge and in that insight of the faithfulness of Christ, even when I don't feel it. And, and it's so incredible to me that he chose you, according to Ephesians, before time, before the creation, before the foundation. My faith had nothing to do with that. It was all in the faithfulness of Christ. Look at, look at Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.9. This is... This is mind-boggling. He saved us and called us to be sake, to, ha to have a holy life, a sacred life. We're sacred. Not because of anything we have done. Not because of your faith, okay? But because of his own purpose and grace. Now, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> look at this grace was given to you in Christ Jesus or the faithfulness of Christ before the beginning of time. Look at Ephesians 1.4. For he chose us in him before, what? The creation of the world. To be sacred, to be innocent. The word blameless is to be a perfect fit for the Father. Because you know what? That, that's, that's what it means. You're a perfect fit. You're ripe. You're there. But sometimes we don't see it. I'll just make the quote, um, Ephesians 2.10, it says, you are God's masterpiece. See, when you think you are no good, how can you ever say, I'm God's masterpiece? And he says, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ. Faith 
as we close it down here. Faith is not something we do to get connected with God because God is already connected with you. And the difference is, hear me out, is if we see this, if the Spirit opens the door and He wants us all to have that eye which Paul prayed in, in Ephesians, that the eyes of our heart would see who you really are, how worthy you are, how valuable you are, and that the divine love is within you. You have the Spirit inside of you. When you see that, it's like seeing Saturn for the first time, but when you see that, that is called the born-again experience. And that is called the awakening your soul becomes, he's always been there. And it doesn't matter how people say it. You know, I don't care about all the, the somatics anymore about all that. And I know the, the Christian way of saying it, receive Christ into your heart, and, and that's fine. But he's already in your heart. It's about accepting he who is already in there. And that is the born again. That is the awakening that takes place. It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside. You are born and created in the very image of God. And this is the uniqueness and the mystery of the scriptures when it talks about before things were even happening, you were. I know. Stunning. It's humbling. It'll make a difference in your walk. Because he's always there. You're not striving. You're not climbing the ladder. It is you have a spirit within you. And that spirit is freedom. The spirit has always been there. It's about not saying the perfect prayer and the perfect words and the perfect scriptures and living the perfect life because I sure can't do it. He's already there and now you begin to have faith in his faithfulness and that's where we begin to grow you see faith has it's not about doing something in order to move you from the unforgiven column to the forgiven column (laughs) that's already you're already forgiven you're already forgiven it says i've reconciled the world to myself faith is is the discovery that in jesus you're reconciled, you've been forgiven, you're adopted, you're embraced, and you are embraced in the circle of life called the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are entwined. Too much, isn't it? It's never about me or you putting faith in your faith. Your focus is now on you. It says, keep your eyes upon Christ. What does that mean? It also means about faith. Faith is putting your eyes upon the faithfulness of Christ. So, how do we grow in faith? It's not a formula. It's learning and discovering what's already in you. It's already there. So, it's not about striving. And and I'm just going to wrap it up right now. If the worship team can come up. This is why this was a game changer for me because I wasn't striving anymore. 
And I still do. I still don't get it right. Man, I am just, I'm just learning. I, 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 I'm not trying to be humble. It's just real. That's, I've got a long ways to go. But this has made a big change for me because I've always wondered, well, did I accept Christ or not? That has been my question forever. <laughs> did I really do it right? Because I'm, I'm a mess most of the time. And with this understanding that Christ is within you, the divine life is already in you, now we're not striving what it is as Lord opened my eyes that I may see what already is. And that just blows your mind. And it's okay if we're not there. It's okay if you have a different theology. It's it, set, it has set me free. And I began to look at other people differently, like the Apostle Paul. He says, I no longer look at people with the same viewpoint that I've had. No, no, no. I look at them differently. Because you see that they're part of Christ. And so we go back to this flute again. And, and I tell you, This is just more powerful than what you will ever imagine. Seriously. Because there's times when I don't have nothing inside of me. There's no faith. And it's not that I want to give it up. I'm too old for that. But when I was younger, I wanted to give everything up. But sometimes you just want to run. And at that time, I just tell the Lord, I don't even know anything anymore. I have no faith. I don't have. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn out. You give me your faith, Lord. And it's, it's like the Spirit is saying, you're getting it, Gordy. How do you grow in faith? By what I just told you. Lord, I have nothing left. You be my strength. If you're not free because you have relationship problems, you can't be free. Jesus is the freedom giver. If you focus on yourself, you're not going to be free. Jesus lives inside of you. He is your freedom. God, give me your freedom. You don't have peace. You can't gain peace. You're trying peace. You're not going to get peace because Jesus is the peace. Big difference. It's not your faith. It's his faith. And it's something you can't teach. You really can't teach it. It's very hard. Let me give a quote, and then, and then I'll pray. This is by Dr. Baxter Kruger. And we've been talking about what's happening inside of us. And so I'm just going to say this, and you can have Abby bring it up, and you can copy it down. These are contemplative things that you just have to go and ponder on and meditate on. When the life we are living matches the life we know in our hearts, which I just shared with you, it gives us joy and satisfaction. When it does not, we are sad and empty and despairing. It's true, isn't it? Let's go to the flute one more time, Abby, and have that quote up, because this is what it is. I'm a hole in a flute. That the Christ's breath 
moves through. It's not me, but it's him. It's the breath. Moving through you who is the whole of the flute. Listen to its music. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are a relational being more than anything. You're fond of us. You like us. And that each one of us, Lord, can experience as we see what you've already accomplished in our life. We can have that freedom because it's your freedom. And as we learn this freedom, Lord, free us to serve one another, to encourage, to build each other up. And Father, really what the Christian life, I think, is all about is just saying thank you. Give us that peace, your peace. Thank you so much that you've done it. And we can't even begin to understand, but Lord, open our eyes as Paul prayed. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation this morning. There's no judgment. We're on our own trip. And that's it. That's your desire. In Jesus' name, amen.